This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Marshall Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Marshall, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. A lot to get to today. It's the kickoff of the NFL season. Yes, sir. A few stories around that we need to get to. Start here. There's a migrant crisis in this country. No. What? No. You can't say illegal alien. <clears throat> Not politically correct. But maybe you've noticed this over the last few years, or at least. The rest of the country is starting to notice ever since the illegals have been shipped to big cities. That's yep. the important part yeah. of the story right there. Yes. When and you see that's the New Texas York. problem. Well, eh. Yeah. Well, you know. New York Mayor uh, Eric Adams, uh, he just went after everybody from the governor of Texas to the federal government to people in uh, cities surrounding New York saying, look, this is a crisis. And for the first time in my life, I have no idea how this problem gets solved. What do you mean? Secure the border. Well, I, I also thought that diversity was strength. Immigrants oh, were yes. the best among us. You know, in, in 2017, uh, he tweeted out a picture of the uh, Statue of Liberty and says, you're still welcome here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she stopped weeping when New right. York started getting all those people. Yeah. Well, she's weeping again after he says this. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. And everyone is saying it's New York City's problem. Time out. Time out. (laughs) Sorry. The Van Camp laughter needs to be brought to the forefront. Well, I mean, 10,000 a day, easily, in multiple cities in South Texas. So up yours, man. 10,000 a month. Welcome to the party, pal. I thought New York had a brand. I thought that they were welcoming. I thought they were a sanctuary city. They Yes, they advertise it that way. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. He goes on. Every community in this city is going to be impacted. We got a $12 billion deficit that we're going to have to cut. Every service in this city is going to be impacted. Well, wait a minute, though. For years, liberals have told us that illegal immigrants actually contribute to the tax base. You should be thrilled that so many people have shown up in your city. Yes. But I don't understand it. Of course, this is what happens when progressive policies play out. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it almost sounds like it's some sort of over-the-top statement, but I truly mean it. What progressive policy works I, you could say in the short term, but over a five-year span. Yeah. Can you name one? No, outside of the insurance company and their policies. But, yes, if you're talking about politically progressives, yeah. 
there isn't one. No. This is what happens. And, I mean, I understand that you have all of these people in the country that have been brought up a certain way and it's got to be loving and, and, and we need to share and it, it's all part of the community. That's all fine until it comes to your doorstep. Then what are you going to do about yeah. it? Well, it's the same thing with defund the police. I mean, it was yes. great until it went into the suburbs. Absolutely. Then all of a sudden, whoa. Well, you know, I've brought this up before. I'll make it short. It's like you have a household. Say there's seven people in the household. It's a mom and a dad. It's five kids. Okay. And what? there's an orphan kid. Okay. I think we can take them in. We can make it work. There's another one. We can take them in. I think we can make it work. There's a tipping point. There always is to everything. Sure. At some point, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. We're not being fair to the rest of the family. That's the reality of life. But the progressives don't want to hear that again until it comes to their door. And that's exactly what that is. Yeah, why can't he just admit what the problem is? Why can't he say it? Just say it out loud. Joe Biden's responsible for this. He does in part. In yeah. part. But not forcefully enough. Well, he, he's, he's not going to do anything anyway. It doesn't matter that the mayor of New York's crying about it or anybody else. They're not going to secure the border. No. Because everything is going along to plan. No, it's terrible. From the progressives. That's just the way it is. Meanwhile... You've got the leader of the Republican Party right now, Donald Trump, facing, as we know, four indictments, all the felonies, everything else. He's talking with Hugh Hewitt. Yeah, conservative radio host, uh, Hugh Hewitt. And uh, they, the interview was like an hour long without commercials in it. So they, they talked about quite a bit. And one of the things that was brought up, Hugh Hewitt being a former lawyer, was saying, you know, uh, so talk to me about this whole classified documents case. Mm -hmm. And did you actually order somebody to move these classified documents when the federal government wanted them returned to their possession? And this is an interesting exchange where this goes. Roll it. Did you direct anyone to move the boxes, Mr. President? Did you tell anyone to move the boxes? I don't talk about anything. You know why? Because I'm allowed to do whatever I want. I come under the Presidential Records Act. I'm not telling you, you know, every time I talk to you, oh, I have a breaking story. You don't have any story. I come under the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do everything I did. But if you have to go to trial, will you testify in your own defense? Oh, yes, absolutely. You'll take the stand. That I would That I look forward to. Because that's just like Russia, Russia, Russia. That's all the fake information from Russia, Russia, Russia. All right, time out right there, because there's more to get to. Mm -hmm. So far... First thought, Scott Robbins. Well, if I'm his lawyer, I'm going, no, you won't. Right. <laughs> You're not taking the stand. Are you insane? No way. No, no way. No. Yeah. Yeah, because you'd be afraid of, did you order the code red? <laughs> oh, hell yes. No way. Uh -huh. You one of those moments? Nope. All right, it goes on. Remember when the dossier came out and everyone said, oh, that's so terrible, that's so terrible? And then it turned out to be it was a political report put out by Hillary Clinton and the DNC. Mm -hmm. They paid millions for it. They gave it to Christopher Steele. They paid millions and millions of dollars for it, and it was all fake. It was no, all I think fake. that obstruction no, charge is going to get to trial, Mr. President. I, I think that Okay, if you do, and they ask you on, on the stand, did you order anyone to move boxes? How will you answer? I'm not answering that question for you, but I'm totally covered <laughs> under the law. Okay. If you read the so, Presidential Records Act, just read it. You take a look at it. I'm totally covered under the law. It's a civil act. It's civil. Mm -hmm. 
Now, Biden had no civil act. The things he did are criminal. But the, he doesn't have a deranged person on his case. You know, they gave me deranged Jack Smith. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> so your thought on that exchange, David? Well, I mean, that was kind of saying yes without saying yes, that he ordered that. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that this was the case that was asked about because, and I've said this from the moment he was uh, uh, charged, it's this is the most serious one out of everything that he that he faces. Yes, it's malicious. Yeah, nobody else would have been treated the way Trump has been treated. Mm -hmm. But if they do have, you know, some sort of transcript of him saying, yeah, move those boxes because, you know, the National Archives are coming by or the Justice Department is coming by. That's pretty easy to demonstrate in court and pretty easy to get a conviction on. It's not right that he's charged, but if they want to get him, they're going to get him. And Jack Smith apparently is preparing another indictment and all that. I mean... Dude, it's it's such a mess. But I and and to Scott's point, yeah, I don't I don't think he should testify because if you start going off about Christopher Steele and all of that stuff, I get where he's coming from because he's been treated lousily by the federal government at pretty much every level. Uh, yes, but there are times when it's good to just not talk about your pending court cases. You know, do you think there'll come a time when the, they'll offer a plea deal like? Stop running, pull out of the race right now, and we can plead this thing down to some sort of misdemeanor, fine, or whatever. Is that possible? I don't think it's going to happen. If he guarantees them he's not going to run, like just (laughs) takes himself out? Because that's really what they want. I mean, they want to make it impossible for him to be president again. Yes. My biggest fear, I mentioned it before, I'll make it fast, is that you'll have people that are on the fence one way or another. Maybe vote for Trump, I'm not quite sure. And then they hear him say, deranged Jack Smith, which makes us all laugh. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but there are certain people that are like, oh, no, I don't trust him. I can't vote for him. That's my fear. I hope it doesn't happen. But at the same time, and we have talked about this many times, especially in the last few days or the last couple of weeks, I don't think Biden's going to make it. And no. I don't know if all of a sudden the knives are out. Or is this something where you've got legacy media saying, oh, we're going to have to cover this now is the Hunter Biden stuff. I mean, it, you had CBS and NBC and ABC last night. We do begin tonight with the breaking news. Federal prosecutors in a new court filing revealing they plan to indict the president's son, Hunter Biden. They plan to file felony charges Ooh. involving the illegal purchase of a gun by the end of this month. The gun charge had been part of a plea deal that Hunter Biden thought he had secured, but that <laughs> deal fell apart in July. They don't go into why it fell no. apart. It fell apart because that, that particular agreement on the gun charge... Uh, was the federal government's way of saying, we're not going to prosecute you for squat after this. You're right. you're free and clear. Just don't break the law again, idiot. That's basically it. So um, all the business dealings and enriching the entire family, including Pops, duh, you'll be free from all of that. I, I do like, though, the change in tone with all of this or the change in language because up until this point, the felony gun charge, which was lying on a background check, yeah. Uh, lying on the questionnaire where he said he wasn't under the influence of drugs when he was. It was an obscure gun law that was rarely used up until this moment. Now it's, well, yeah, felony gun charge. Because, of course, it's a felony gun charge. Oh, buddy. I've got other audio we'll get to from one of the other networks. 
saying they're really throwing the book at him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) But we'll get to it because I know we got to get to other stuff. You've got this quantum physics story, David, and I'm not quite sure what it's trying to say, but this is amazing to people. Yeah. Did you know the universe is gay? What? What? Yeah. It's gay. Um, The BBC highlighted a drag queen physicist to talk about quantum physics and how that proves that the universe is gay. Drag queen physicist hour. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, roll it. Quantum physics reveals that there is no fixed reality, and it's full of beautiful contradictions. What's so remarkable about quantum physics is the fact that what's happening on a subatomic level contradicts what we're actually seeing happening in reality. It shows us that reality is itself a construct, and what's going on internally on a subatomic level belies what we're actually observing. Quantum physics to Newtonian physics is to me what queer theory is to heteronormativity, i.e. looking for normative constructs of society, male, female, gender, of what race, is this? categorizing everything in a kind of neat, rigid way. I'm yeah, go- well, what is this? Explain this, David. Th- this is about how quantum physics is like uh, uh, queer theory. It's not at all. But the universe is queer, is what he's saying? Yes. And everybody on it, what to their core is queer? Yes. How does civilization continue? Because at the subatomic level, some things can't be answered by simple math equations. So people dabble and that's how babies are born? It's not because they want to, they're just dabbling on the other I side? Don't know, man. That's, what nonsense. I'm very comforted by this as a queer person with no real fixed identity. Oh, okay, I've had enough. Yeah. That's enough. That's, you know. What's wrong with that? Well, yeah, I bet he's saying that right now. Stop After calling. that interview with Hunter, or Stop. with Tucker Carlson last night, that guy that says he had the affair with Obama, Whoa. that's crazy. Yeah. Stop calling it Mother Earth, by the way. Why is that? Because they them Earth. Gendering Earth. a planet yes, is wrong. Can't be mom. What do you call it, then? Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Another lie from the White House that you know is a lie. Straight ahead, you'll like this. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Did you know gas prices are going down? They're lower. Where? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, uh, they're they're going down. And uh, uh, when you compare it to this time last year or something oh, like that, see? yeah. White White House Press Secretary Kareem Jean Pierre tried to make this point. Okay. Look at what we've been able to do from last summer to this summer, lowering uh, gas prices by uh, by a dollar twenty cents. That is uh, whoa, that is whoa, be- whoa. Yeah. I don't have the numbers in front of me. That cannot I, be right. I, I do actually have the numbers in front of me, and no, if you go, I so I know how she got to that number, uh, but they are actually higher today than they were a year ago. What she's talking about is the record high that was set uh, June fourteenth of last year. Which, on average, nationwide was uh, $5.01, essentially. And so that's how she got to that number. But she's implying that they've gone down, like, year over year, and that's not true. They've gone up a little bit, like three cents. Do this all the time. Does anybody in this White House drive a car anywhere? No. No, they don't. I mean, ask anybody. They just just lie constantly. I was there cut deficit, $1.7 trillion. No, you didn't. It's just a flat-out lie. And the thing is, it would be one thing if they saw in the polling that it was working. They should be able to tell by now it doesn't work. 
People see through it. They're not buying it. That is because of the work that this administration has done. And so we're always going to be focused on how, what, you know, what, what steps we can take uh, to continue to lower prices. Wait a second. I thought when they were sky high, there was nothing they could do about it. Right. But they were still pulling out every tool in the toolbox that they had. Right. Even though there was nothing to be done about it. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just and part of the gig. Just expect lies every day. Like, uh, that many more jobs created. And, right. I mean, it's just all just garbage. Dude, I thought about bringing to the show, and I'm like, you know, we have enough of the loons on the left and their takes. There was an MSNBC piece talking about this guy, how distraught he is that right now in some polling, you've got Trump and Biden neck and neck asking, how could that be? Please. In this world. I mean, with the amount of jobs that Biden has created, (laughs) setting records, and all he's done since he took office and people don't recognize it, he's out of his mind. And this amount of people would still vote for that criminal Donald Trump? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, seriously, just insane. God. We're talking about people that can't quite relate to regular folks. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you see, and I follow too many divorce stories, but this has been talked about a lot, Kevin Costner and the split with the wife, and then the money involved, all of that. I know all you care about, Scott, is when's Yellowstone back on? Yeah, well. I think there's, what, part two of the final season. That's it. Well, yeah, and that may not be about for several years. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? The Costner's caught up in this thing. It's going to All I'm saying is set rip free. I need some rip. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Koster and his estranged wife um, knocked down the child support to $63,000 a month. Okay, but she had wanted over 160000 And she actually said, you know, uh, I'm going to look into steps I need to take and any schooling I need to do, and I'll enter the workforce. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. With monthly income that she's talking about, you're saying 63000 a month? A month, seven hundred fifty-six thousand a year. Yeah, that that's that is a few thousand dollars more than the average annual salary in the United States per month of sixty-three. Yes, yes. But she said, you know, listen, it's in the kids' DNA at this point to live this luxurious oh my life. Gosh, uh, no. See, well, then let them go live with dad. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wow. I'm never right. going to complain about maintenance fees again, ever. Um, boy, here's a story you got to get to. Uh, David's got this clip of Trump saying, I couldn't fire Fauci. Straight ahead. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. As always, thank you very much for being here. I'm Jamie Markley, the Jet Axer. David Van Camp, the Millennial, and the Sexy Boomer, Scott Robbins. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Trumpster was saying he couldn't fire Fauci. Yeah, so Donald Trump was asked why he didn't fire Anthony Fauci when he had the opportunity. This has been going back and forth and heating up, especially between him and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And the Trump campaign is putting out quotes from spring of 2020 where uh, uh, Ron DeSantis praised Fauci, said, yeah, the the White House uh, task force on coronavirus uh, was good. But I I think that's kind of weak sauce because we all know what happened later. Well, not only that, but if we're all honest, in the very beginning, 
Fauci seemed like a straight shooter and it's like, hey, you know, the guy's doing the best he can. Yeah. I, 100% and agree with you. It's almost that. like someone that you start working with or it's a new hire and your first impressions are really good. And then five yeah. months later, you're like, hold on a second. I yeah. was captivated by the guy. I mean, you know that when it first was on. I was yeah, like, yeah. I, I hung on every word he said. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't go so far as to get the Fauci bottlehead. No, I got thinking the, about it. Well, I got the pillow, but that's yeah. I've since, uh, you know, put yeah. it in the closet never to be seen again. You I still have yeah. the Pez dispenser. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, yeah. Yeah, Donald Trump asked on the Hugh Hewitt show, why didn't you fire him? That's like the biggest liability you have among Republican voters. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Dr. Fauci was there. First of all, you're not allowed. He's civil service and you're not allowed to fire him. But I forget that because I don't, you know, I don't necessarily go by everything. But Dr. Fauci would Time tell out. me. Th- Hold on a second. Is that true? That there would be layers of bureaucracy that technically the president couldn't, I guess, if you want to try to go down that road, he's got a point there. That it would have to be somebody from the NIH, I guess. The 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 self-owned there, and I, I hope, I'm, again, I'm just saying this as a friend, but when you say, when, you're, when your entire campaign is based around draining the swamp, and then you say, well, I couldn't fire that one guy, though, that's that's tough. That's a tough argument to make. I'm with you. Absolutely. Dr. Fauci would tell me things, and I wouldn't do them in many cases. But also, he wasn't a big player in my administration. Dr. Fauci became a big player in the administration of Biden. He's a very big player in Biden's administration. With him Uh, elevated, he could do anything. Hey, man, I'm here to help, not to hurt. All right, you stood up with the dude I can't tell you how many times. It was sort of like in concert together, especially those first few months. Gate. Gave him a medal on his way out the door. Like January of 2021, Trump awarded him for some public service thing. So I. Oh, man, I forgot about it's, that. Yeah, that's that, that. it's just not all that believable. I think you just have to own it. But, I mean, saying yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't a key player in the Trump administration, that's a lie. Agreed. Yeah, man. Okay, that's. That's head-scratching because there are a lot of different ways he could have played that, in my opinion, that would have been better for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hey, I'm here to help, not to hurt. Could have essentially said what we just said. You know, at the start of this thing, I had no reason to not believe him. Yes, but when things didn't match. Right. Then all of a sudden, there were some question marks that came up. I mean, should I have acted sooner? Well, I suppose maybe I should have, but I was still digging. You know? I mean, that's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, we're all duped by that guy initially. All of us. Yes, we've lived through a number of different people that we've yeah. been duped by. Oh, sure. Yeah. And to me, the best just say, hey, up until that time, had no reason not to trust this person. Right. But then when the facts were coming out more and more. Right. It and was start, all revealed. You start to find the people who were his cheerleaders and go, wait a minute, this person is a right. stone cold liar. Yeah. So. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. See what happens out of that. All right, it's that time of the show, going around the table. May not be the biggest story out there, but it got your attention. Today, David, what's your story? There's a new report from UNESCO, the United Nations Educational and Cultural Organization. Let me tell you, the experts got together. They crunched the numbers. They did the research, and they found out that remote learning, it didn't work. It was a failure. What? And in fact, it led to staggering education inequality around the world. It was a worldwide ed tech tragedy, is what they called it. 
the unprecedented dependence on technology, uh, worsened disparities and learning loss for hundreds of millions of students around the world, of course, including in the United States. Well, thanks a lot now. Yeah, but but wait, we were all being called like teacher and grandma killers by saying, no, yeah. the, the remote learning isn't working. And the thing is, I know there, uh, you know, I've been highly critical of many people in the education system, and I'm yeah. mainly talking about the shriekers, the people who were showing up outside of the Florida State Capitol with body bags in protest of having to go back and do their jobs. Yes. If you know any teachers who weren't out there, like on picket lines and whatnot, a lot of them were actually horrified by, and I, I know we point this out periodically, but I think it is important to, to say it periodically. A lot of them knew this remote learning isn't going to work. Hybrid learning isn't going to work. Absolutely. Heard and that they from knew a it. number of people. Yes, they were going to do the best they could, and they were hoping that at least some of the students would get something out of it. But overall, they knew it was not going to be great. No, but they kept doing it anyway. Least. Well, the teachers themselves didn't have a choice. No, they didn't have a choice, no. Yeah. Ah. There's union dues. There's all of that stuff that goes into it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, yeah, the other part was there were plenty of teachers early on that were scared that they were going to get COVID. And from the information that was coming out at that time, you could understand why. Sure. You know, the whole thing is it looks like we're going up into another season of COVID hype. You're just hoping people remember all the facts that came out afterward. Yeah. Well, schools should be much safer now with all that HVAC <laughs> that happened within the schools, right? All that dough that went into HVACs for every school in the country. Yeah. So you just didn't pay that money out. They actually, no, of course. That money gone. It's gone. All right. What's your story, Scott? Uh, for the fourth year in a row, congratulations, Illinois. They topped the list of states where Americans are fleeing. As people struggle with high taxes, crime, soft economies, this according to Allied Van Lines, since 2019, Illinois has consistently more outbound moves than inbound moves. For the past four years, congratulations, Illinois, 65% of all interstate moves involve residents leaving the state. After Illinois, you've got California, New Jersey, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Now, here's a question for all of you. What, uh, what is the, uh, the political party of all the Democrats of those states? If you guess Democrat, you're correct. They're all yeah, run by part of the question, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Stupid Democrats. Yeah. Uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Illinois are not the most expensive either. Now, where are people going? Well, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Tennessee, Tennessee, Texas, Texas. Yes. Yes, indeed. Those are the states yeah. that Americans are going to. Yeah, I think the city that people left the most was New York. Mm-hmm. But Chicago is in the top five. Yeah, well, sure. They're number three on the list of there cities where people have left. Mm -hmm. uh, Chicago, by the way, crime has increased 54% so far this year. I can't imagine why people don't want to stay there. Hmm. Did you see that video of some lefty uh, going around like tourist areas in Chicago? And the whole thing was, I, a brave, concerned North Texas father, traveled to Chicago and barely survived. And he's like going where people are doing touristy things and all of that. Right. And I just think, man, for all of the liberals who talk about white privilege, you didn't go where most of the violence is. I mean, you, you know. do that, you go to that stupid bean statue or whatever. Right. That's not the hot spot. And people are getting murdered every single day in the city of Chicago, and it's getting worse.
Okay, this might not be the best comparison. I'm just being honest. This is what comes into my mind. You know, for years, if you've ever traveled to Mexico and the tourist spots, they're pretty well protected, <laughs> usually. Yeah. But you know the areas you do not go. But it's safe to go to the tourist spots. And in a lot of big cities, that's sort of what's happening. Well, we got to have the people coming in, so that's going to be guarded. There's going to be security around those places at least during parts of the day. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But after dark, it's up for grabs. Well, I don't think you want to go down Waltzing Michigan Avenue at 1 o'clock in the morning in Not Chicago. anymore. Not anymore. No. It used to be fun. Oh, sure it did. I've done <laughs> it long, many times. A long time ago. Yeah. Um, for my story today, the first thing, I saw this little piece of hot air, and then I went to CBS and actually got the story. And I just want to play this for you because the student debt crisis is back. Okay? Something's got to be done. And the best way to tell the story is an individual story with this okay okay so this might take a minute but i think it's a worthy exercise to get your honest reaction because i know you guys haven't heard this yet roll it out we turn now to our in-depth look at america's student loan crisis the freeze on federal student loan payments which started more than three Mm -hmm. years ago at the start of the covid pandemic comes to an end next month a recent survey finds nearly half of borrowers expect to be delinquent on their payments we get more now from CBS's Carter Evans. All right, Carter, bring us in. Rochelle Brooks knows the power of higher education. The once homeless single mother says college pulled her out of poverty. How many degrees do you have? I've got an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, two master's degree, teaching credential, and a doctorate degree. Time out. Hold on. Time out right there. Okay. I, I saw a rolling of the eyes. Wow. What? Okay, that, that is not a typical story no. of someone who holds student debt. And I'm sorry, but if you've been able to, I mean, it's great if you've been able to get out of poverty and get out of homelessness. You seem to be pretty bad with money, though. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you, I've, I've been poor before, and you learn some things about, you know, what you should spend your money on, what you should prioritize. Yeah. And you're out there getting well, an associate's, a, ba- a bachelor's, two master's degrees, and a two PhD. Masters. Yes. Yeah. So what she got, like 200 grand in debt? More. <laughs> well, you're point, an idiot. That's not my fault. Yeah, yeah, you don't need a PhD. Just spend an hour with Dave Ramsey, and you know this is stupid to go in that kind of debt. Anyway. Would you have done it without taking out student loans? Absolutely not. Now 36 and an L.A. public school principal, Brooks and her fiancé are expecting a baby girl. But she never <laughs> expected her student loan debt. Okay, time out, man. I'm sorry, but... Man, Camp, your jaw has literally dropped, and we haven't even got to the best part yet. You have five degrees, and your goal was to work in public education? <laughs> and it, look, there's nothing wrong with working in public education. No, That's not, not my but point. But you don't need all that stuff. You don't, no, you don't need that. I mean, I know a lot, like, to be in administration, it certainly helps sure. to have sure. a PhD, a doctorate. Yeah. But you got you got five degrees to, to go work in a... Uh, famously, quote-unquote, low-paying field. That was a stupid decision. Uh, I don't think the Ph.D. in economics, probably. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. Student loan debt would balloon to more than $230,000. Oh, gosh. Oh, that is a big number. It's huge. When bills go out again in October, (laughs) she'll owe $700 a month. At that rate, she'll be paying off her student loans well into retirement. Well, yeah, dude. That's what happens when you're 230 grand in debt. Okay. 
$700 a month, well, you got, you know, somebody helping, right? $700 a month could be food, it could be gas, it could be bills paid. Some people well, just simply won't be able to make the payment. Braxton Brewington is with the Debt Collective, a nationwide union of borrowers. Okay, we'll just stop there. <laughs> this is supposed to be the sob story? Yeah, you got, you got five degrees and you're $230,000 in debt. Yes. And... It's a tragedy that you have to pay that debt back. Like the rest of us should be paying that for her. You know, no. I, I I remember, and call me out if you remember this differently, but when the uh, when the housing crisis hit in 08, 09, and people were sort of walking out on their mortgages because they bought, you know, $700,000 McMansions that they couldn't afford right? and all of that, it was, yes, there was some sympathy because they got defrauded, they got told that they could get these loans and it'd be all fine and all of that. Yeah. But there was also a healthy amount of shaming in mainstream news. If I remember that correctly, I was in college at the time or about to graduate college at the time. And it, and it was basically, well, why did you think that you could buy a $700,000 house when you were only making $35,000 a year? Because that's right. the obvious question. Yes. But but every Congress creator in the world was concerned about predatory loans. Right. These people didn't know what they were getting themselves into. How do you loan somebody $230,000 with no income? How does that happen? Well, that's, that's what happens. All the time. And that's what they, I mean. And if they don't, then you're racist you or you're sexist you know, or you're whatever is. How, how are you going to pay this loan back? Well, well, here's another $80,000. Are you nuts? It's, that is absolute insanity. Spend enough time on it. Wow. There, there was more to it. But, yes, the, I got the reaction I figured I would get. I'm watching that going, you got to be freaking kidding me, man. Wow. Okay. So much to get to today. Going through page after page here. Uh, the Biden laughing about ignoring the mask rule is really something. That and much more coming up right here. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott <laughs> I'm laughing, man, because everything with masks has been so serious. I know. I can't remember how many messages, people angry, making fun of the mask, trying to say, fly. Oh, I know. We got blood on our hands. and I've heard it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got the president laughing about it. Yeah. Well, Dr. First Lady, Dr. Jill Biden has COVID, and Joe Biden is supposed to be wearing a mask around other people, but he's not. Uh, And he actually had... While his administration is telling kids to mask up again, <laughs> he had the audacity to make a joke about the fact that he wasn't wearing his mask at a White House event yesterday. I've been tested again today. I'm clear across the board. But they keep telling me because this has to be 10 days or something, I got to keep wearing it. But don't tell them I didn't have it on when I walked in. <laughs> Uncomfortable laughter in the yeah. background. Yes. Yeah. There was finally at least for three seconds, where Joe Biden actually sounded like a regular dude. Right. At least to me, and it was this. But they keep telling me because this has to be 10 days or something. They keep telling me 10 days or something. This is why I got to do this. I don't know. It's all... I'm not doing it. Kind of goofy. But I'm trying to do what they're telling me to do. Right. Yeah, it's like the most honest he's been. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And the whole thing about kids masking, have we not seen the studies as far as masking, especially with kids, it doesn't work and it no. hurts learning? Dude, nobody's going to do this. 
there's going to be a small percentage of people that are going to do it. Most of them have continued to do it. And maybe they're for different reasons. But nobody's going to go back to this. you got to believe a lot of superintendents across the country yeah. that played along before are going to say, no, we're not doing it. We're not doing or it's it. going to be a joke like it was at some of those girls' boys' basketball games where they wear them on their chin. Right. Yeah, I buried my mask in a time capsule. We'll dig it up in 100 <laughs> years from now. Yeah. This is the Mark Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. We're going to get to this story. It's a Wall Street Journal exclusive. Uh, Health insurance costs are taking the biggest jumps in years. Wait a minute. Whoa. And all I hear in my brain is, but I was working. Yeah, I I thought the Inflation Reduction Act was supposed to be lowering health care costs for all Americans. He went after the big, he went after Big Pharma, remember? Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. Not a joke. No, it wasn't a joke. That's what he said. Uh, well, what is not a joke is employers and workers are expected to see an increase of about 6.5% or higher Holy in health plan costs next year. Wow. Wow. That's a pretty good jump. Holy smokes, man. That really is. And I know, you know, different people, it depends on what your job is, what your insurance situation is. For some people, you bring up this topic, they can get red hot fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody on this show. Right. But I mean, yeah, well, we talked before about it. Well, I think we were just this week on the phone with insurance and prescription costs. And, and all of a sudden, uh, yeah, we're not going to cover this. What do you mean? It's doctor approved. And it goes on and on and on. Oh, yeah. it, it's it's maddening the way it all goes down. But then the actual just cost and still what you have to pay out of pocket yeah. like visits. And then it's it, this parts covered 80 percent but then if you have to go out of the network then it might be 60 percent or you're still when you go through all of the money you pay for insurance and then the actual medical costs it's crazy and i you know you know a lot of the industries and people that work in those industries are making a boatload of cash and that's fine but don't have some politician come we're working really hard for you get them costs down yeah and i I mean, I thought you can't go state to state. I thought Obamacare was going to, you know, fix all this, too. Please. No, just cost everybody else more money, which was, again, predicted at the time. And remember, golly, it's like the airing of grievances today. Remember 2016? And what was the what was the terminology? We are going to get rid of Obamacare, make it better, something yeah, repeal and replace in repeal 2017. Repeal and replace. Yeah, 2017 was then. Trump the gets effort. in. Where's Mitch? Yeah. Uh, Mitch wasn't frozen at the time. He was going to work every day. But Mitch had no plan. Mm-hmm. The Republicans had no freaking plan. And then when they put something together, it was a big piece of crap that was going to cost you more money than what you were paying at the time. Yeah, the AHCA, which notably kept in place mandates in terms of coverage, but then knocked out mandates in terms of paying into it. So it's basically trying to hold a house up with nothing but drywall. 
Yes. And it would have collapsed. I mean, it was, I was, it was like Paul and Ryan. And all these stiffs with their proven conservative record right. didn't do anything for the working person. It's disgusting. So anyway, there's your first bit of good news. Health insurance costs are going up next year. Whew. All right. Moving along. Um, Eric Adams, New York City mayor. He's a little frustrated right now. Something's come back to bite him. Well, yeah. I mean, the sanctuary city of New York and the sanctuary state of New York is now dealing with having to provide sanctuary for illegal immigrants. Or, I'm sorry, migrants and asylum seekers. Asylum seekers. Uh Uh-huh. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says the migrant crisis is going to, quote, destroy New York City, which, I'm sorry, but that's white supremacist language. I know he's black, but... We've been told over and over again that that is white supremacist language to say, hey, we can't take care of all of these people coming into the country. Well, Larry Elder. Yeah. Uh, White supremacist right there. Yeah. Yeah. And get this. Eric Adams is actually upset that everyone in the area is blaming him for this. (laughs) Roll it. So as you asked me a question about migrants, tell me what role you played. How many of you organized to stop what they're doing to us? How many of you were part of the movement to say, we're seeing what this mayor is trying to do, and they're destroying New York City? It's going to come to your neighborhoods. Are you saying you should congregate and get active and start protests and go Summer of Love 2020 because of the illegal immigrants here? Holy mackerel! yeah, kind of, he's like, why aren't you out in the streets protesting what's happening right now? All of us are going to be impacted by this. I said it last year when we had 15,000. I'm telling you now, with 110,000, the city we knew, we're about to lose. I'm sorry, maybe this isn't the right time to say it, but I, the Statue of Liberty is weeping right now uh-huh. yeah. after he said That's that. That's true. Well, who? dude, if you were watching this series on a Netflix or something, oh, okay. you'd be like, okay, that script goes a little too far. That this guy that was, you know, the welcoming guy, sanctuary city guy, that would now be out there saying this stuff, that's just too far to go in a script. I don't know if people would buy it. No, this is reality. <laughs> Why aren't you in the streets protesting it? You know, uh, all the Republicans actually should do an ad saying, apologies anytime you're ready right. for calling us xenophobic and all these other names for saying we can't do this. Well, I, I saw a graph that just came up. 1,700,000 illegals since like May of 2022 to Texas. So far, bust to New York, 36,000. It seems like it's uh, advantage New York City. Yeah. Man. Well, and and the thing is, is how how a lot of people are framing it is that it's all buses coming from Texas uh, right. by way of the Texas government and Governor Greg Abbott. Well, that's not true. The federal government is flying these people into New York City as well in much higher numbers. Remember, they started doing this secretly in the middle of the night. Yeah, because they didn't want the media on it. You know, we'll just shift them over here and shift them over there. It'll be fine. No big deal. And then. When you reported on that, you were xenophobic. Yeah, the whole thing is nuts. All right, moving on. Other stuff. Um, the White House having a problem here. And this is talking about Hunter Biden's business again. Yeah, House Republicans are asking for more information now about an email exchange 
between then Vice President Joe Biden's office and a business associate of Hunter Biden's. They were workshopping messaging after Hunter joined the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. Yeah. Like, well, hey, what, what do we say to the media? And Joe Biden's office farmed it out to the company to write their quotes for them. You you come up with it. We'll we'll sign off on it. Kate Bedingfield, who uh, was also now at the at the Biden White House as a communications person, now she's employed at CNN. No joke. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, 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 she was the one who said, "Yeah, VP approves. Uh, yeah, you can run these quotes whenever media uh, comes and asks you about it." Uh, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean Pierre was asked about this by uh, what's her name, Weijia Zhang, I think, from CBS News. Okay. Roll it. Um, how do you respond to criticism that that shows there was no wall between then Vice President Biden's work and um, his family's business deal? I understand the question. I appreciate the question. I get the question. I'm just going to let the White House counsel uh, team answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, it seems like at least once a week we do this. Probably time. Is Biden in trouble? Are the knives out? Because I'm sensing more and more all the time that they really are. The oh, they really are. are. They really are. Okay, yes. I think so. Yeah. Because remember, for a while there, we were wondering, why is it that it's CBS that's reporting on the Hunter Biden stuff and not the other outlets? Yet what we saw then last night was all of them had to cover the Hunter Biden update uh-huh. that it looks like he is actually going to be indicted and crying out loud. Even, uh, you know, Lester Holt was on that last wow. night. Breaking this evening, federal prosecutors say they will now seek an indictment of the president's son, Hunter Biden, just as Republicans ramp up their own investigations. Well, hmm. How about that? And then I think it was Nora O'Donnell. All of them had this sort of somber tone, the way they were doing it. Like, it was almost like a death in a way. You know, and it, uh, Hunter Biden, this indictment, and this has gone on now. Um, and they get into the breaking it. news concerning Hunter Biden. Federal prosecutors revealing in a court filing today <laughs> that they will seek to indict the president's son before the end of this month. Why are you laughing, David? Well, it, it, Donald Trump gets indicted and they've got the choppers in the air. And, <laughs> you know, you can actually see the desk levitating at CNN and other outlets because <laughs> everybody's so excited by the news. And now it's like we have to treat this very seriously. Hunter Biden will be indicted by the end of the month. Yes. The new details from CBS's Catherine Herridge. By the way, and you've pointed this out several times, Herridge was on this from the beginning. Yeah. But I just want you to hear part of the report and then get your reaction to it. The prosecutor's status report is the strongest indication that charges are looming in the Hunter Biden case. The president's son had previously reached a deal for alleged gun possession by a drug user that avoided prosecution if he abided by the terms for two years. But in July, a plea agreement for misdemeanor tax charges collapsed, leaving the future of the gun deal in question and Hunter Biden facing legal jeopardy. They never really go in depth why that all went down. It was like they were trying to just sort of sweep all of it under the rug and then you had this judge going, what? You mean this 
basically gives you freedom from any other charge coming? No. Today, special counsel David Weiss revealed his plans, telling the court the government intends to seek the return of an indictment mm. in this case before September 29th. Well, Harry Lippman is a former federal prosecutor. What's the message from this filing? The message from this filing is they are going full um, bore at him on a, on a charge that they normally wouldn't bring. So they are really playing hardball with Biden. In what? They normally wouldn't bring. Right. Golly, I'm, I know, again, I'm the broken record on this one. Right around the time this sweetheart plea deal happened in Virginia, I think it was like the week before, maybe two weeks before, the same Justice Department brought that exact same charge against a mother whose son, six-year-old in Virginia, who took his mom's gun and shot his teacher. They leveled the exact same charge against her on its own. It wasn't, oh, well, it usually is attached to something else. No, the Justice Department did it. They reached a plea agreement, and she is, uh, I guess, like this month or maybe next, going to be reporting to prison for like two years. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And this whole thing, because you had David Weiss, you know, who, again, as they said, Merrick Garland put David Weiss on this to oversee David Weiss because he didn't do the job before. Which is an interesting game. It really is. Yeah. It was Andrew Claven from Daily Wire. And yeah. it, it's a longer bit, but just to give you, when you heard him say it and everything he said was true, it pointed out the ridiculousness of it. Department of Justice has appointed federal prosecutor David Weiss as special counsel so he can oversee the botched Hunter Biden investigation run by federal prosecutor David Weiss. <laughs> I mean, that's just the beginning of it. <laughs> Like he that. goes in, oh, my gosh, it is so funny. we got to find time to roll that out oh, later. Because David Weiss is overseeing David Weiss, Weiss, and David Weiss had to interview David Weiss <laughs> to make sure David Weiss was doing what he was supposed to do. David Weiss found no wrongdoing of David Weiss. And Merrick Garland said this is how democracy works. Okay, got it. All right, much more to get to. Uh, NBC News says Republicans are nervous about talking about Biden because of Mitch McConnell. Interesting. That much more. Come on. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Republicans are nervous about talking about Biden because of Mitch McConnell. Yeah, you, you that's talk, nonsense. Yeah, you talk about wish casting over here. NBC News had this story because uh, Mitch McConnell, top Republican in the Senate, has had a couple of public freezing incidents where he just blanks out and short circuits for 30 to 40 seconds. Uh, after trying to start a sentence, and it, it, it is unsettling to see. But, uh, yeah, according to NBC News, this complicates uh, Republican attacks on Biden's age. Not really. No, it doesn't. Senator McConnell's recent freezes have created a campaign conundrum for Republicans who have ripped President Biden as too old and frail for a second term, but are continuing to stand by McConnell as one of the top leaders of the GOP. Uh, I don't know that many I mean, people that are standing by McConnell. Yeah, that are not just, you know, old school GOP. No. Yeah, and you're if you're talking about like rank and file in the Senate, I mean, Josh Hawley has said, yeah, it's it's probably time for him to step aside from a leadership position. And yeah. it's it's really not that much of a conundrum for anybody because, I mean, I've seen like 
lazy takes from the far left, you know, online and in print media, you know, some of which devolve into I hope he dies and all this stuff. <laughs> it's just lazy and dumb, but what do you expect? Um, but a lot of commentators and, you know, edgelords on social media who are on the right have been making some brutal memes and jokes about Mitch McConnell freezing up. Like one of them was uh, it was uh, 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 Mitch McConnell plastered on a Disney poster and the title was Frozen 3. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's brutal. I, I saw one where it's spinning like it's buffering. Yeah. The little sign, you know, that he's just buffering. There's, there's another one where the caption was, me as the uh, waiter at Olive Garden uh, tells me or asks me if they should stop putting Parmesan on my lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a picture yeah. of Mitch McConnell just yeah. clammed up. See, well, I never mean, feel brutal. bad about laughing about things like that. A bunch of you guys have sent them to me. I don't know how to react sometimes. I'm like, wow, what do I say about that? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it is, man. Yeah. It's brutal. Oh, you talk about memes. Okay, say whatever you want about Tucker Carlson interviewing this guy that claims he had sex with Obama, Barack Obama, in 1999. Uh-huh. That that was on Twitter last night. Yep. The memes and the jokes. Yeah. Dude, it was a parade. Holy mackerel. Dude, I, I saw one where it was, uh, it, it's the famous scene from the movie Titanic where Jack is holding Rose as she's like... <laughs> Doing the, I feel like I'm flying, or whatever it was. Yes. Yeah. Except, you know, Rose was Obama, and Jack was this crackhead dude who was interviewed by Tucker Carlson. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, switching gears real quick to an entertainment story. This is amazing to me. I just wanted to get your reaction to it. Ethan Hawke, actor. I saw this. Okay. No problem directing his daughter's sex scenes in a movie he's directing. Yeah, okay. Okay. That's weird. I'm sorry. That's weird. Yeah. Isn't that's, it? That's Why do normal. people believe in QAnon? I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Because you freaks. Most people cannot relate to that. No. That's that's no. Of course this is not. the Markley Van Camp and Robin show. Okay. Biggest story today. Biggest story of the day. I mean, there's a lot of them. One is that the mayor of New York City is lashing out and and basically saying, why aren't there people en masse protesting the migrant crisis and saying enough is enough? But here's the thing. In different boroughs of New York where people have come out to protest, they're beaten down. Uh Uh-huh. Like, you're going to jail. Sure. That might be one reason why. And they're called xenophobic. Yep. That's one of the reasons why. I would guess. But it sounds like he's calling for some big protests. Very interesting. Okay. And an update on legalizing hard drugs. Woo! Van Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Monkley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Right. We mentioned this yesterday, and then they... uh... They pushed a vote and the discussion on it uh, till after the show, unfortunately. But uh, we mentioned it. Uh, the Portland City Council was looking to uh, try to make open-air drug use illegal again. Because in the city of Portland, they can, uh, you know, it's a misdemeanor for public consumption of alcohol and marijuana. <laughs> yeah, because that, that uh-huh. yeah, sure. Um, but 
under state law, they are not allowed to regulate hard drug use as part of a decriminalization effort on the part of using hard drugs. That was supposed to be the nice and uh, helpful way of getting people to stop using drugs. We just need to stop getting in their way. And then eventually they'll come around to the idea of not using heroin or crack or fentanyl on the streets. Well, obviously. Okay, you, you may in your you know, sweet little heart believe that's how that's going to go down. But if you've read any studies anywhere where they've tried this, like Amsterdam, it doesn't work. No, it, it fails invariably because you're not talking about uh, rational people when you're talking about drug addicts. It's, no, it, you're it, not. But all you got to do, I mean, search it. The information's out there. It yeah. doesn't work. So yesterday, the city council voted to tell the Office of Government Relations to lobby state lawmakers for an amendment to state law. And if the state agrees, then it will be illegal in Portland to use illegal drugs in public again. Um, but activists are still worried about the harm that this might do. <laughs> Yeah, the Portland Mercury uh, says critics worry the council is trying to rehash failed policies of the war on drugs. Others say the resolution will do nothing in the near term and could cause harm long term. Could cause harm. How? Yeah, how? I No, that, that, it's absurd. You got uh, a heroin addict. You know, we're afraid about some harm long term. They're already <laughs> a heroin addict. Right. How much worse can it get? Yeah. Homeless advocates, recovering addicts, and service organizations questioned the city's hyperfixation on tourism because a lot of people are not going downtown Portland anymore because, well, you know, generally people don't want to take the family to an area where they're going to run across somebody pooping and shooting up heroin in the street. Well, those people, privileged. They say yeah. cr criminalizing public drug use won't stop the addiction crisis. One person said, it's insufferable to hear such explicit focus on tourism when rents have more than doubled in the last 10 years. We can't afford the rent, so yes, some people have to take to tents. Okay. We need systemic solutions that address the root causes of addiction and overdose, not a continuation of the failed war on drugs. Root causes? Get Kamala on it. She'll yeah. fix it. How about good luck to you? Root causes is it gets worse when you don't penalize people for it. Correct. Yes. It's the <laughs> Thunderdome plan. It's crazy, man. Yes. I don't know if you noticed this. I know, Scott, you'll tune in sometimes. David, you know that Scott and I are usually on this, and we'll tell you what happens as far as what do the morning news shows cover. You know, because, honestly, a lot of people get their news that way, either online or hey. actually watch it especially people over the age of 55 yep. and 60. They vote. Sometimes you wonder, how could people vote certain ways? Well, when you see that they're fed lies constantly, it brainwashes you after a while. We've seen it happen to people. Mm -hmm. um, we got an issue with the climate still, with the heat. Uh huh. Biggest story, both ABC and NBC today, and I'm not quite sure about CBS, but... Good morning, America. 70 million people on alert for extreme heat. Now, I know you sent uh, a little photo of your son playing outside. I know. Uh, did he not hear about the extreme it, heat it was, in Texas? It was uh, over 100 degrees, and he was playing with his bulldozer in the, uh, in the garden. 
And I know I was I was waiting for him to shrivel up like a little prune because nobody's ever been able to survive in a hundred degrees. Yeah. Courageous little fella. Anyway. Record-breaking temperatures, 19 states across the country enduring sweltering heat, impacting the start of the new school year. When will it break? <laughs> this weekend, actually, if you just yeah, look at yeah, the no forecast. Uh, again, it's the beginning of September. This happens all the time. And then on NBC. Today. Here we go. Those brutally high temperatures now stretching from Arizona all the way to Maine. More schools closing today. Okay, I want to paint the picture for you. So as they're doing this, they show the graphic of the United States, and it's in the deep, dark red and the orange. It's hot! Okay? And they say some record temperatures or whatever, and you've got, you know, a few in Texas where you're seeing over 100 degrees, and then it's up the East Coast. The graphic doesn't stay on the screen very long. Like, hey, wait a second. I didn't even see what the temperatures were. So I had to go back and actually pause it. Yeah. In Scranton, the high temperature today is 90. Oh, my oh gosh. No! Terrible. People will die. And this was predicted, man. Earlier this year when they said, you know, the COVID thing's kind of done. The next thing's going to be the climate emergency. And that's how the government is going to say, we've got to declare it an emergency. We've got a climate emergency to take away some more freedoms for people. Now, it's, I feel like we're getting the double dose right now. They're going in on COVID early, and we still got the extreme heat going on at the same time. Well, you, you got to get back to the mail-in ballot somehow, right? I mean, you, 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 Is that the feeling you get? Do Of course I do, yes. You too, David? Yeah. I mean, this is, come on, man. The orchestration is unreal. Yeah. I, I'm feeling the same way. Extreme heat is 90 now. but And then I get confused when I read pieces like this. Completely different story, but out of USA Today. And it's an opinion piece yeah. from Ingrid Jacques. I'm not familiar with her. But this was the title. After COVID school shutdowns, parents have learned an important lesson. They have power. Whether it's decisions related to COVID or what schools are teaching, parents no longer have to sit on the sidelines. And the opening paragraph, because USA Today is far left, man. I mean, it really, oh, yeah. over the last six, yeah. seven years. President Joe Biden and the First Lady launched last week by visiting a middle school in Washington, D.C. and trying to gaslight parents. I was like, what? Wow. wow. That's pretty strong for USA Today. Yeah. As children return to class this school year, memories of pandemic-related school closures are no doubt still fresh in the minds of families. Too many of the nation's students, in particular the most vulnerable, were forced to stay home for more than a year, causing tremendous losses in learning, from which they may never recover. Yet Biden has a different take on how all of this went down, one in direct conflict with reality. The same day the president visited the school, the White House released a statement claiming, in part, today, thanks to the president's swift actions and historic investments, every school in America is open safely for oh, in-person instruction. Please. I remember talking about this. Yeah. Since day one, President Biden has worked to help every school open safely for in-person instruction, accelerate academic achievement, and build communities where all students feel they belong. And this person just calling him out BS. Again, it's USA Today. And I can't help it. This is where my mind goes. Okay, the knives are out.
they know that they know Biden's not going to be there in March. So they can take these shots. They're taking the temperature of the public and they well, know where the public's at with the school closures and all that stuff. And they're letting this sort of stuff fly. You've also seen the uh, the Hunter Biden stuff start to eke into mainstream media. Yes. I mean, which I was shocked when I first started seeing these stories. Maybe it's so big they can't they can't ignore it any longer, perhaps. But there's also another side to this. They've ignored it this long. And I wondered, you know, it's like, okay, is it because the indictment is going to come down? Yeah, maybe. And they had to cover it before. So now they're saying, okay, since this is coming down, I guess we're going to have to cover this. Maybe. I guess. I don't know. But it it was really surprising. I was with you when you saw all of the coverage. Yeah, it was shocking. And in the down tried sort of way they did it. We do begin tonight with the breaking news. Federal prosecutors in a new court filing revealing they plan to indict the president's son, Hunter Biden. They plan to file felony charges involving the illegal purchase of a gun yeah. by the end of this month. The gun charge had been part of a plea deal that Hunter Biden thought he had secured, but Ooh. that deal fell apart in July. The new filing brought by U.S. Attorney David Weiss, recently named special counsel by Attorney General Merrick Garland. Weiss, who was appointed by Donald Trump, has been investigating Hunter Biden for five years. Remember that whole line? Yeah. The five years, they had nothing. Right. And then they find out, well, it's the judge that says, hey, wait a second, we can't do this. You're saying he's free and clear of everything? Absolutely not. And this whole thing, David Weiss, Trump appointed. Mm-hmm. You got to say that every time. Right. Yep. It is a joke that this guy is in charge of overseeing himself. <laughs> it, you can't make that up. Well, it's like, like the honor system with candy. It it's, never works. It's par for the par for the course, though. I mean, the Pentagon was the one that had investigated the Pentagon's decision to vaporize a bunch of kids in Afghanistan. That's yes. true. Yeah. Yes. And they came to the conclusion after investigating themselves that they did nothing wrong. Nobody's turning themselves in. No, when they vaporized not. children. Well, and you wonder, is David Weiss now saying, okay, there's going to be an indictment to save his own butt? I yeah. don't know. You wonder what it all is. And I mentioned earlier, Andrew Clavin, Daily Wire, it did this <laughs> this open to a show talking about how ridiculous this whole thing was, that he was appointed by Merrick Garland to basically oversee himself, and that's not supposed to be the rule. Right. Play a little piece. Part of my favorite part of that monologue, because I think you'll enjoy it, uh, went like this. And now David Weiss has been assigned to oversee David Weiss to make sure David Weiss didn't get up to some kind of funny business. Because federal prosecutor David Weiss is a federal employee answerable to Hunter's father, Joe Biden, DOJ regulations require the special counsel overseeing federal prosecutor David Weiss should be someone outside the federal government, like federal prosecutor David Weiss. (laughs) Attorney General Merrick Joey Bananas Garland says he appointed David Weiss to oversee David Weiss in hopes of restoring the public's diminishing trust in the integrity of the DOJ through a blatantly cynical cover-up that will spit a phlegm gob of unbridled power and corruption in the public's eye, thereby blinding them to the blatant cynicism, unbridled power and corruption that have diminished public trust. (laughs) Sorry, man, that was... That was really well done. Joey Bananas. <laughs> yes. Okay. Moving on, other news. Uh, you know, we've been talking about AI a lot this year, artificial intelligence. And I don't know quite how this works, um, but you've heard some artificial intelligence as far as music. 
like a fake Oasis album that sounds a lot like Oasis, oh, yeah. you know, different things like that. And apparently um, this fake AI collaboration between Drake and The Weeknd is actually eligible for a Grammy. <laughs> no. Yes, it is. Really? Yes. You sound so disappointed. I mean, for a guy that was playing Millie Vanilli records. I knew you were going to say that. Well, that's true. <laughs> well, you did. You hyped him up. I know. I mean, just an incredibly talented duo. It was all smoke and mirrors. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of pop music is. Yes. Yes. This is really interesting. Um, an anonymous artist by the name of Ghostwriter released a song earlier this year called Heart on My Sleeve. And through the wonders of AI, it sounds like a collaboration between Drake and The Weeknd. But they submitted it for a Grammy consideration. It's been accepted. God. Absolutely eligible because it was written by a human. So that part's okay, they say. Huh. And I guess what, through auto-tune and everything else, does it really matter anymore? Not really. I was just wondering, though. I mean, I, I don't think it'll win, obviously. But uh, if it were, who gets the credit for that, though? If, if, the, if the source material... Or if, if he used uh, uh, the actual performer's uh, audio at some point in the process to create this fake song, do they get any credit on that? I don't know. I don't know how it works. I mean, I suppose not if it's a songwriting award. Right. <laughs> well, But as far as great performance <laughs> by AI, I don't know. I can't wait to say performances by AI. <laughs> yes. Well, a lot of bands don't even play live anymore. They just fake it. I know. Who knows? All right. News update. Straight ahead. Robbins Show. Jamie Martin, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, judge told the Texas governor what? Oh, you got to move that uh, the buoys that are in the Rio Grande. No, I don't. Yeah, well, you got you got to move them to the bank of the uh, the Rio no. Grande. You can't have them in the middle. Because yes, I can. Now, now, here's some interesting logic here that I picked up on listening to the coverage from CBS Mornings. And, and tell me if I'm making too much out of this, but it, it seems like there's some contradiction happening. Okay. The federal judge has ruled that Texas Governor Greg Abbott must remove a floating barrier from the Rio Grande for now, calling it a safety threat. The barrier, as you see there, a line of bright orange buoys stretching about 1,000 feet, is meant to deter immigration. But the judge says... There is no evidence it has done that. So how is it a threat if it's not deterring anything? If there's no evidence that it's, de- yeah. The whole, you're right. Right, it doesn't make any sense. How, no. how is it dangerous if nobody is impeded by it? That's a good catch on your part. Yep. By the way, uh, for Dopey there, it's not a threat to immigration. It's a threat to illegal right. immigration. If you could get that part right and quit gaslighting people, that would help. And as far as, well, this judge has told the governor he has to do this. No, I don't. I hope he says, no, I'm not going to. What are you going to do? What well, are you going to do about it? Yeah, he's he's vowing to take it all the way to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Hope he doesn't budge on that. Play it out like the left does. Or what? Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, it's going to, yeah, it'll be tied up in court for a while anyway. Yeah. But no, you're right. What are you going to do? There's too many times you'll see the conservatives bail on that. Well, we want to bane the rule of law on that. The judge did rule. No, you just say no. It's not happening. You keep allowing people to come through the country illegally. We're trying to do something about it. You go try to remove it. See what happens. 
Good luck to you. All right. Is that too strong? You're looking at me like I'm crazy. No, no, no. I, I agree with you. I, I don't know how that'll play out, but it would be fun to watch you as the, as the governor for a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do about it? Says who? Okay. You know this? If you like soup, you can have it in the morning now. They're putting caffeine in cup, the cup noodle stuff. Yeah. Doesn't that sound awful? Yes. Putting noodle soup in the morning? No. Anybody said, you know, there are no bad ideas. That's wrong. There are bad <laughs> ideas. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robert Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Well, there are a couple of uh, items of, of interest, to me at least. Uh, one, a, a, a socialist activist, actually a member of a, a socialist party in the Minneapolis area. Um, her name is uh, Shivanti Sadanandan. Mm-hmm. I uh, nailed it. Got it, yeah, no she is. She was big into the whole defund the police. We need to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. All of that after St. George Floyd sacrificed himself. She or, made her way something. on TV several times. Yeah, uh, she is shocked now after being carjacked in her own driveway in front of her kids. And there's a photo of her where she's got blood running down her face. I mean, it's horrible. What's equity? Somebody needed a car. She got a broken leg, uh, deep lacerations to her head, several bruises and cuts. Uh, She said, quote, four very young men, all carrying guns, beat me violently to the ground Ah, in front of our kids. The young men uh, held our neighbors up at gunpoint when they ran over and tried to help me, all in broad daylight. She is the uh, Minnesota DFL uh, second vice chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want no more police. Is that clear? That was Minneapolis. She said, this is the face of a mother who just had the bleep beaten out of her. A mother whose only thought was, let me run far enough and fight hard enough so that my kids have a chance to get away. This is the face of a mother who just listened to her four-year-old daughter screaming nonstop, her seven-year-old son wailing for someone to come help because bad guys are murdering his mama in the backyard. Her neighbors screaming in outrage, all while being beaten with guns and kicks and fists. Yeah, that is terrible. It really is. So, yeah, it is awful. But this is exactly what people were warning against before the whole defund the police movement, or as the defund the police movement was taking hold. Say so, a million times, it did not take an expert to know what was going to happen. Yeah. I, it's common sense. Three jamokes on the radio. It well, was easy to predict. What was the other expectation? That without police, the crime would go down? Yes. I mean, how can that possibly be an expectation that's reasonable? It isn't. Because you take away the barrier, and, and then there's nothing to stop anybody from doing anything. You had so many people believing the myth that white cops were hunting down young blacks and killing them. Remember the polling? Well, yeah, I do. I do it. How many 
unarmed black men were getting killed a year by cops? Some people thought it was upwards of 10,000. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the, that the median from people on the left was a thousand a, a year. Yeah, a thousand a year when you're talking about like combining left and very left, far left. Yes, uh, on average a thousand young black men, and the, the year that they were asking about in particular, it was fourteen. Correct. That is not they're they're not living in reality. Yeah, and that's what media has done, and. For this lady, I feel bad that that her kids had to too. live through that. Uh, that's awful. It's terrible. It is happening way too often. And it's not the kids' fault that their mom is a communist lunatic. And to and me... gosh dang it, and I admit it, man, this is my freaking bleeding heart. I feel bad for her. I don't. I really don't I do, feel bad I'm for I'm just her. telling you, because I don't want to see that happen to anybody. What I would like to see before that ever happens is someone to come to their senses and say, you know what, I was wrong on that one. I feel bad for the kids because you can't pick your parents. Yeah. 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 Yes, you hope it doesn't come to that, right. but yet that's what yeah. happens to people. And a lot of times you don't know it until it shows up on your doorstep. And well, it's the that, same thing oh. with the mayor of New York right now saying our city's getting destroyed from illegal aliens. Yeah, people are digging up the old texts now and the old, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, man. The, of, of Eric Adams from years ago saying, you know, we stand for freedom and we stand for welcoming right. city and blah, blah, freaking blah. And if you say you got to get a hold on this illegal immigration, you're xenophobic, right, white supremacy, right. blah, blah, blah. There's so many people in this country, good-hearted people, that are so tired of that, of being demonized. That, yeah, you'll have this situation. Someone gets beat up like this woman. And they're like, yep, that's what you get. Well, yep. It's the, crimi the criminal element runs out of targets and must move to find new targets. I mean, that's what this is. Dude, you already know. There, <laughs> you you run out of places no you can steal from. Yeah. Who pays for it the most? The right. people in those neighborhoods. Yep. That's just part of it. Nobody ever asked them if they wanted to defund the police, by the way. Man. And there's so much blame to go around. And, I, you know, you get in conversations with people. And a lot of times I'll say it used to be we at least had a media that leaned left but would report on stories and at least get to the facts part of the time yeah sometimes and it's gone yeah. it's absolutely gone and to that point i'll play a piece of audio we have a minute here yeah i think so okay remember barry weiss that used to be with the new york times that was like the dream gig and she was so disillusioned and she dude i gotta tell you on most issues i bet i disagree with her 80 percent, if not 90 percent of the time don't see the world the same way but I didn't think she was a bad reporter or a bad journalist. And so a lot of these people have left. Matt Taibbi's another one. Mm -hmm. Several of these people have started their own thing, and she started the free press. Okay. So she's telling the story to Megyn Kelly that they did this story about that hospital in St. Louis, the children's hospital, that was basically mutilating kids. Yeah. And there was a whistleblower involved. And she told Megyn Kelly the story of the whistleblower, okay, if you remember this. And this is interesting as far as where, I guess, journalism has gone um, in the last several years. Pick it up. Jamie Reed. The person's name is Jamie Reed. Jamie Reed is not someone that has a political axe to grind. She identifies as queer, 
Her partner is actually a trans man. Politically, she says she's to the left of Bernie Sanders, and she has dedicated her life to working for vulnerable populations. That is why she took a job at the Pediatric Gender Clinic at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri. But she says in the four years that she spent there, what she saw in her words was morally and medically appalling. She says she saw teenagers, vulnerable teenagers with multiple mental health problems rushed into life altering treatments, including possible sterilization that they as teenagers, in her view, couldn't possibly consent to. Okay, so she sees the mental health issue. You see hospital profiting off this, rushing them into this stuff. Sterilization, my goodness, Um, which is crazy. And she goes on to talk about how this person knew there was going to be backlash. People were going to come after her for saying this. And I think from her background, it's safe to say this person is not anti-trans, right? Involved with a trans man, correct? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. And sure enough, she knew she would be demonized. And that's exactly what happened. She was demonized. She was disavowed. We were accused of journalistic malpractice for publishing the piece. The day after the piece published, I've never seen such a sort of rapid reaction to a piece of journalism. Missouri's attorney general announced an investigation into the gender clinic. And you would imagine that such a story would inspire journalists just just pique their curiosity to say, wow. What is this woman talking about? She's a very, you know, she she's not a political conservative. She's not a right winger. She she obviously is not transphobic. She is with a person who is transgender. Maybe we should look into that. But instead, no. largely what you saw was reactions like those from Chris Hayes. People saying there's something fishy about this story, accusing us of sort of. Okay, so you fast forward, <laughs> and you had all that reaction. And again, I think about you, David, because you went to journalism school where I would think you were taught at the time, and I know it was years ago, that, yes, you would chase down stories like this and break it and let people know in the public what's really going on. Well, yeah. I mean, you you take the the quote-unquote culture war angle out of it, and let's say that there is a clinic that is performing voluntary amputations of arms on children. Yes, and because these children feel like they should only have one arm for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. That would be the lead story everywhere because people say, holy crap, is that true? Right. But you're fighting against a massive power. And, you know, to her point, that's why a lot of these people have gone independent. And that's why they're doing what they're doing. Because it's exactly the kind of story that we exist to pursue. It's exactly the kind of morally naughty story in which journalists avoid pursuing it because they know they will be punished or smeared for doing so. That is why the free press exists. And it exists to sort of ask the questions that a lot of people are asking themselves quietly. Questions like, how did this become the medical consensus? Can teenagers really consent to life-altering medical decisions? You know, we don't allow teenagers to do all kinds of things. and So that is just sanity to me. And again, I don't agree with her politically, but I'm glad she's doing what she's doing. You can find common ground somewhere. Like, let's start with reality. No, it's measured. It's not hysterical. It's Yes. Know, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I really feel like we're missing. Because if we would have had honest journalists back in 2020, and you had all these nuts talking about defunding the police, 
they wouldn't have gone along with it and the whole reimagined police. They would say, actually, you know, you look in the past when there's not a police presence, you know what happens? There's a lot of crime. Yep. And the people in these neighborhoods are going to pay for that. Th- think- th- you would have had that, but you <laughs> didn't. We always preface by saying, too, there's bad people in every profession. You find the bad people, you get them out. Sure. You know, yeah, just because they're a cop or whatever doesn't mean that they're without fault. And if they're, oh, yeah. if they're bad people, they got to go. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But this whole blanket defund oh, everything man. nonsense is. By the way, speaking of bad people, Randy Weingart is saying the teachers union person oh, yeah. says we need more money. Yeah. For what? Oh, uh, for A.I.? For AI, yeah, the head of the secret or the second largest teachers union in the country, Randy Weingarten, uh, wants funding so that teachers can use AI technology to help create lesson plans. Yeah, <laughs> do less work because um, oh, apparently oh that's going to solve the issue of millions of kids right now not knowing how to read, write, or do basic math. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Get to the quote. We are working with you know, an entity called NewsGuard that we have had for our members. It is an accuracy instrument. And so we're trying to see how we create, how we help people get to accuracy or fight misinformation and disinformation. But that's why the tech companies become so important. There needs to- Misinformation, disinformation? Yeah. That's the focus? Yeah. Okay. It's brainwashing. Focus on math. Focus on reading. We're so far behind in those things. Until you fix that, I don't want to hear another freaking word from you. The country shouldn't either. What a failure. Golly. Public gaining. Huh? Anybody? Oh, I'm on court. (laughs) All right. Got to get to another news update and much more coming up. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, Gen X, David Van Camp, the millennial, the sexy boomer, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Oh, man, this is the, the style of Ron DeSantis that I think he needs to start employing a little bit more on the campaign trail. And it's it's the fighter. It's not, you know, he's tried to be a little bit too stiff or something. I don't know. It's just not been very um, impressive so far. All I can think is the consultants got a hold of him. Yeah. Yeah. And said, you, you need to try this, and you try this. And it looks like he's thinking through everything instead of just being who he is. Yeah. Well, today at, a, uh, at an event, a protester showed up and blamed him for the shooting in Jacksonville, the hate crime in Jacksonville, and then said that he was empowering people to go and hunt black people. And DeSantis wasn't having any part of that. Okay, roll it. Excuse me. I'm not going to let you accuse me of committing criminal activity. I am not going to take that. I am not going to take that. So you you should, you want to have a civil conversation, that's one thing. Try to say that I'm letting, that guy was Baker acted. He should have been, he should have been ruled ineligible, but they didn't involuntarily commit him, and so they weren't. No, no, I don't. No, no. There is the truth. There is something about the truth. It's not everyone doesn't have their own truth. No. Preach that, bro. I've been on that for years, oh, yeah, man. That definitely. is yeah. like manna from heaven for me. 
You don't get to come here and, and, and blame me for some madman. That is not appropriate, and I'm not going to accept it. Yeah. Oh, that is nonsense. Get, that is such nonsense. Get him out. Yeah. You know how Politico uh, framed it in their article of this? Oh, boy. <laughs> here we I'm go. I'm quoting here. Okay. DeSantis lashes out at audience member over Jacksonville shooting. Oh, oh yeah, wow. See. Dude. That Public that, caning for that headline writer. The audience member accused him of committing a hate crime and murdering three black people in Jacksonville. That's so easily. Because you know it's a headline world. Mm-hmm. Some people will see the headline and take whatever from it, what you want them, and it's so far from the truth. And the, the freak show element, too. So you're, you're actually right. lying they, to people you're, on no, you're purpose. Right. Caning. They, they won't. They won't shut up. They just keep talking. Oh yeah. They, they just keep talking. Just keep train. talking. Just keep talking. God, it's frustrating. It is. All right. I agree with you though. I think he handled that pretty well. Yeah, publicating. I'm all for it though. Let's see. We got First a lot time of publicating references today. Yeah. First time I ever said it. You thought I was nuts. Admit it. Oh no. I'm. I'm on board now. You. You. I mean, I'm all in. What was I watching? My wife had something on the other night. I was looking, and it was a bit on Singapore. Mm-hmm. I think it's maybe uh, where they live a long life, yeah. some show. And sure enough, they started talking about the crime in Singapore. Not a lot. You know, and people don't just litter. You don't do that. You get out of hand. You're in a lot of trouble in a hurry. I think Kane should be sold to Dick Sporting Goods. <laughs> <laughs> And and I said to my wife, I'm like, yeah, I would talk about Singapore, the public caning. Yeah. And she's like, they actually do that? Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. The old bamboo shoots out there and let them have it. Yep. Yes. Low crime. You could steal somebody's bike? Step. Yep, that's what happens. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Okay. Biggest story of the day, if there's one. Biggest story of the day. Speaking of lashing out, the mayor of New York is lashing out at people for not taking to the streets. To protest the migration crisis, the illegal immigration uh, crisis. He's saying, why aren't you out there protesting? Why aren't you supporting New York? We're all in this together. Which is crazy because people in New York have protested. But they were demonized for it and called xenophobic and racist. And some of them put in jail. So is he saying what? Why not protest what? Nationwide? What? protest in D.C. I'm not quite sure what he means by that. But we'll get to that audio. And then you got your big three of the day, Scott. The trifecta coming up right here. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Well, all of a sudden, illegal immigration, big problem. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. The the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, is flipping out about it, saying that uh, the migrant crisis is going to destroy new york city because they don't have the services and also he wants people to be protesting what's happening you need to be out in the streets protesting this invasion this is really something man because this does make you think back to all the protests in the streets and the rioting and everything else all of us are going to be impacted by this yeah no not all of us you will be and your city will be yeah but i mean what about Texas? What about Arizona? So as you asked me a question about migrants, 
Tell me what role you played. How many of you organized to stop what they're doing to us? How many of That's why we elect you. Well, you made it impossible for us to organize against this. What are we supposed to do? Stand right. in the way of the bus coming in? Well, yeah, and, and be labeled bigots. And, right. Right. I mean, no. Of people course did not. protest. That's what you called us. That's what you called the people that were trying to stop this in other states other than yours. <laughs> How many of you were part of the movement to say, we're seeing what this mayor is trying to do, and they're destroying New York City? How about a question for you? How many mayors got up there and saying, we got to be welcoming to all? Right. Mm-hmm. People that want to come here, right. asylum seekers, yep. blah, blah, blah. It's going to come to your neighborhoods. That's what we said. All of us are going to be impacted by this. I said it last year when we had 15,000. I'm telling you now, with 110,000, the city we knew, we're about to lose. Be careful what you wish for, bro. Yep. Yep. Oh, I have an update to this, too. Yeah. Uh, Chris Hayes, he's the guy on MSNBC. He's the human version of a cry closet. <laughs> well said. Yeah, he, he kind of looks like what would happen if you turned Rosie O'Donnell into a jelly bean. That's pretty good, too. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, he wrote on Twitter, uh, absolutely never misses an opportunity to communicate to the world that New York City is a hellhole. He's like the opposite of a hype man. The new migrant arrivals are a real challenge for lots of aspects of the city's basic infrastructure. It's a very real policy challenge, but there are ways of talking about it that doesn't sound like a Fox primetime host. God. <laughs> All right. Let's get about five of them having lived with you, Chris. Right. Well, is that, there. Is that his way of calling him racist without saying racist? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and I would think so. I mean, I, I would just say, Chris, check your privilege, okay? Because you're like one of the top five whitest dudes in America, and that is you white-splaining to a black man. It sure sounds like it. So Chris Hayes is a racist on top of being a weird little guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of those people. Meaning when it comes down to it. Oh, we want to do all these things. I mean, I don't want to be bothered with it. Oh, no. The high flute and liberals. Well, I I don't want to be a part of that. But we got to do something for the marginalized so we can feel better about ourselves. Well. So we don't feel so guilty. They'll pull his invitation to all those parties he gets to go to now. You know what? I suppose he does, too. Of course he does. Maddow picks him up. Yeah. They both go together. <laughs> well, and with, with Chris Hayes, I mean, he always talks about trying to speak for the marginalized communities, the black and brown people of New York. And the only black and brown people that he ever interacts with are the people who are, like, on the janitorial staff at MSNBC. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that dude going into a black neighborhood <laughs> saying, hey, I just want to talk to you guys for a while, just to mm-hmm. understand what daily life is like? That would be fascinating, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. Just the verbal would be, I'd pay money for that. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. You know, the other part of Eric Adams today. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What's anybody going to do yeah. about it now? Yeah. Anybody going to ask the White House about this? What about the inflow of people coming here illegally? It's the number two issue with voters now. Remember how it used to be way far down there? 
Number two issue now. It's a big deal. Yep. Wow. Well, because it's happening in blue cities. You're right. Yeah. Yep. It's part of it. All right. You ready for your big three, Scott? Let's roll. Do it. Are you ready? One, One two, buckle my shoe It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Every day about this time, Scott Robbins' top three stories today. Always helped by his hero. I'm Casey Kasem. Hey, buddy. Doing okay today? Fine? Good. Staying cool? Out of the heat? I'm ready. I'm okay. <laughs> three. Number three, uh, Matthew Iglesias, he's a, a liberal journalist, writer. Uh, he claims that conservatives are, are are too fat and old to win a civil war. Well, you know, Mike Huckabee brought this up the other day. Like, hey, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we see a civil war if Joe Biden is reelected. Ooh. You know, yeah. he said that. And we've talked about this before, too. Well, Matthew Iglesias has weighed in the kind of doughy, I would say, Matthew Iglesias. He said, I know conservatives have more guns, but in the end, I think their advanced age and worse physical fitness are going to give the libs a win in a civil war if they keep fantasizing about it like this. <laughs> yes, I know, right? Go ahead, well, Bro, I, I, the libs are doughy feminist freaking blog writers. That's what you are. Yeah, you, you can't handle microaggressions. <laughs> no. That's I'm dumbfounded by what that clown said. That's unbelievable. Like, do you understand how it works in combat, dude? Apparently not. Well, have I'm... you seen these people, by the way? Have you seen them? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know, man. I mean, I'm I'm certainly a doughy uh, on the doughy side, personally. But I, I'll tell you, man. A lot of the folks that that I know uh, in and around, uh, if you want to bring up gun culture or whatever, can I say this for you? Yeah. I could show you pictures from Van Camp's last range session. It doesn't matter his weight, uh, Mr. Iglesias. You're not winning that fight. Well, no, no but it's not even that. I'm just saying the, the dudes that I know who would be on the quote-unquote conservative side or whatever of a civil right. war, a lot of them are fairly recently retired service members, and they're in yep. pretty good shape. Yeah. Yeah, um, Van Camp and his buddies are just going to pull up lawn chairs. They're not even going right. to get out of lawn chairs. They're just going to oh, sit there in lawn chairs. And... Well, that that that's called actually tactical lounging. <laughs> right, Scott, exactly. It's very important <laughs> for the effort. I'm not itching for that civil war no, either. Course. I mean, that, no. that sounds all kinds of awful. Yeah. But mm, I don't know if the people who invented cry closets ought to be talking about not right. having the physical or emotional or mental prowess to win an armed conflict. Yeah, if it actually started, all I can hear is this sea of people saying, I just can't. Yeah. And it'd be over. I abhor, much it. I abhor violence. I just can't. <laughs> We're getting closer and closer to number one. People Scott melted. Robbins, trifecta, top three of the day, up to number two. Uh, number two, uh, an interesting take on so-called gender-affirming care for kids. Well, we keep hearing all the time about all of these carjackings going on and these 14 to 16-year-olds that are stealing them, right? Oh, yeah. They're everywhere. A guy wrote a piece the other day I was reading. Uh, this is out of PJ Media. said, if the criminal justice system is inclined to follow the science and apply the law differently for those who have been proven to make bad decisions based on scientifically immature brains, then why are we not applying the same logic to the kabuki theater that is pre prevalent with gender dysphoria? Why are we more confident standing up to someone who wants to become a girl that is a boy 
at 12 years old or six years old. Your child is healthy and whole. And things might be tough and confusing now, but let's not make any irreversible decisions. Kind of like the way we treat the criminal criminal justice system. So the point is... If he's saying your brains are not a, a, a big enough or you have enough life experience to realize what you're doing is completely wrong or empty-headed... So if you're not going to charge these people as adults... As adults, then what's the deal? But you're going to let them whack off their... You know... Yes. To affect the rest of their life. Yes. That's an interesting point. I thought it was a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. Does make sense. Now, on with the countdown. The Scott Robbins trifecta. Yeah. The top three. Up to number one. <laughs> I think I saved the best for last. Yeah, number one, right-wing firebrand, Ann Coulter, who uh, wrote the book, what was it, E Pluribus Awesome in Trump We Trust? Yeah. Yes. And she's been off the Trump wagon for years now at this point because, in her words, he was a great big disappointment because he didn't finish the border wall. Uh, the immigration crisis did not get solved. Because that was her biggest issue, if I remember yes, right, correct? Right, that was it, it was. Yeah, and yeah. when it, it wasn't moving, she jumped off the train. Yep. Yeah. Well, Trump attacked Ann Coulter on his Truth Social as being, quote, washed up, post quote, Ooh. and who went unbearably crazy with her demands. Coulter responded on X, Trump begged me to come to Bedminster this week. I said only if I could record a substack with him. But the gigantic rhymes with wussy is too afraid of me. Wow. She called him. Yes. She called him a gigantic. Yeah. Yes. And in all caps. Yes. Wow. Shouted it at him. Hey, you gigantic. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Has he responded? No, to he that? has not yet. Not yet. But I'm sure he will at some point. But he called. He drug her through all sorts of names and everything else. Oh, do you think he wanted her to come to Bedminster to talk? You think that's true? Would she make that up? I have no idea. Yeah, as, far I, as this feud goes, I don't know. I it, it could be yeah, it because could be. some of the people in sort of the uh, conservative uh, media apparatus or within the culture mm -hmm. that have been representing him on the campaign trail are kind of embarrassing people, and um. and and I, I think he knows that, and he knows that there's less and less credibility with people like Laura Loomer and others. I know that's like way deep in the weeds. Most people don't know who she is. But, um, yeah, they, but I think he does want somebody like Ann Coulter who can go and fight for him. Plus the fact she went after him at one point in time. Yeah. And I think that to see them together again, like we made amends and he's yeah. the guy and, you know, all that. So, Right. But she said, I'll do it, but you got I, I need to interview you. And he said, no, we're not going to do that. So that's when she reached out and said, no, you're a gigantic. Wow. That is interesting. And then she said he's too afraid of me. That was another thing. That's not going to go over well with Trump. There will be a response, I would guess. It has to be. I would and think. there you have it. Yes, he's not going to just let no, that sit. No, he won't. All right. Scott Robbins, trifecta. Well done. I like the cat sound effects, so we haven't brought those out for a while. You haven't talked about your kitties in a while. No, I haven't. We did a whole Friday Five last Friday about one of your cats. If you want more cat attention, we can do it. I love cats. All right. I know that. News update and Nimrod's in the news. Straight ahead. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Another news update, David Van Camp. Sorry, I'm just laughing at some message that some guy sent the show Facebook page that Scott oh, was yeah. telling us yeah. off, off the air. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about, uh, what's his name, Matthew Iglesias. He's a uh, liberal journalist, quote-unquote, who... Um, 
uh, claims that conservatives are too old and fat or something like that yeah, to, right. uh, to win yeah. a civil war. Right. And I'm like, well, that's kind of an odd thing to say. And also, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's all that true, especially if your side is the one that, you know, invented cry closets. And apparently somebody was very upset by that. Yeah, he, he's some guy. It's, it's just more ridiculous stuff you get from time to time. But he's he pretty much threatened that hey you know we, we liberal badasses have our guns and we're gonna you know we're gonna rain hell on you and yeah, blah blah blah. I just think it's yeah. really funny that he actually kind of proved the point because he he was he was so offended by something he heard on the radio he decided to mail in death threats to the radio <laughs> show. morning show like okay yeah well I want to yeah. get the verbiage right too because my favorite part was. Were were we idiot f's? Uh, yeah, that's how it started. You okay. dumb f's. Oh, just uh, just okay. dumb f's. Yeah, that's an old classic. That's yeah. a classic. Yeah, sure. yeah. They're he, not. He's not a crybaby weakling. He wants you to know that. Yeah. Okay. He just, you know, wanted to talk to the manager after we said something that hurt his feelings. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that is so freaking hilarious. I'll show so these guys that I'm yeah. a tough yeah. guy. <laughs> I'm gonna email. Thinly veiled death threats were locked and loaded, and it might kill you. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so super. I am tough, <laughs> Mister Man. <laughs> Golly. Oh gosh, dang. Okay. Fun stuff. Good stuff. Boy, oh boy, I just saw this story, Daily Wire. I guess I could have put this in Nimrods. A trans-identifying female inmate. Uh, was locked up for sexual assault, but then groped the prison guards. Don't you still get a beating if you try something with the prison guards? You would think. But this is a new world we live in. I, I, I thought you mess with a prison guard at all. You're oh, in yeah. for a beating. Usually that's true. Yes. But I guess not so much anymore. All right. Well, I think we already kind of started Nimrods. Let's just roll on. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Ian. It's Nimrods in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrods in the news. Maybe you've seen this one. It was covered in a few places. That dude in Florida uh, that was trying to run to London with his hamster wheel going across the ocean. Yeah. You no. saw it, right? Yeah. You, it's a hamster wheel. Yes, it is basically this hydropod. And it does, to me at least, look like a giant hamster wheel. With the floaties on it, and you just run, and it's going to take you across the sea. That's the thought. This dude's name is, is it Reza Balucci? It's a marathon runner who is trying to run to London. And so when the Coast Guard found him... um he did not want to come in and apparently was not calm about the situation. He refused to leave this vessel for three days. They said, uh, no, you're not going to do this. You need to come in. And then he threatened to kill himself, and he had a 12-inch knife with him. And then he said, I've got a bomb on board. It turned out to be fake. But apparently this isn't the first time this dude's been caught in the hamster wheel. Sorry, the hydropod. <laughs> He's been apprehended at least three previous times, including two years ago when he was trying to make it from Florida to New York. 
<sighs> that time he made it like 25 miles before washing ashore. And he says, I'm never giving up the dream. <laughs> there you go. Okay. And then uh, it doesn't happen often, but a three-legged bear makes Nimrods because he broke in through a screened-in patio in a house in Florida and drank a couple White Claws. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Nimrods in the news.